0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. First Samuel, chapter 8. Here comes the king. Be careful what you wish for. So, this is such a big chapter. And, like, we kind of talked about this yesterday, and not just First Samuel or even just the stretch that goes from, uh, really, you could even say all the way from Joshua all the way through. Uh, say Second Kings, this is a big moment in all of the Old Testament. Here, Israel gets a king, which you know we think of the whole story, and we think to ourselves, well, hey, that's one step closer to King Jesus, the Messiah. This is this is literally the first Messiah, right? The um, the the first anointed king in Israel with Saul coming onto the scene. Good thing, right? Well. Um, Samuel doesn't seem to think so, um, and in fact, God even says it's a rejection of Him as King. Profound words that brings up a lot of things for our own context. Uh, there are some Christians clamoring for, oh, let's go back to the old days of monarchy and traditional, you know, uh, hierarchical structure, and, and there's you know others who are saying like, oh, look, uh, any king is bad, no king but Jesus. Christian anarchy. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. There's a lot of uh, discontent right now, and so is is there anything that this chapter says about how we should be doing government today? So a lot of good questions, an excellent part of the story, something that uh, really demands that we take a fresh look at it here. Joining us as our guest, we've got returning Pastor John Schenck, pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Good morning, brother. What a chapter you snagged for yourself for you <laughs> this conversation today.
1: Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's a wonderful chapter, Gives us a lot to talk about, a lot to, uh, lots to contemplate and uh, to, to see, especially for the the people of Israel. And, and as you've let in with your with your intro, uh, any kind of application for us too.
0: It, it really is interesting how, I, I mean, I think that we're used to this, and I suppose it's a good thing in some ways that, you know, like there's a, a lot, even in um, maybe even the broader stream of American thinking of. going back to the Bible and trying to use it to uh, suss out some of these details and questions and trying to turn to the Bible for answers for our own times, our own life. And so I guess in that respect, we should be grateful that lots of people do that. But it really is interesting, all the different ways that people have tried to look at how we should be doing government or, you know, like, oh, hang on. No, no, you're not allowed to open the Bible if we're going to talk about how we should be doing government, church and state. So, I mean, it really is interesting to me just how many people I've know over the years talked to young and old who just i mean we're we're going to the bible we want to figure out how to do this we have a sense that we're not doing it right today <laughs> what's your experience been like
1: yeah I, I i mean i guess living uh in my particular state and uh having to struggle <laughs> through uh covid and all the rest where it doesn't feel like we we know up or down or left or right um <laughs> I, I might be compelled to say we're not doing it right, um <laughs> and maybe we feel like that nationally too I, I who knows um but um but yeah, I think there is some some cautionary tale to to um misinterpret what the Bible is and what the Bible has been given us for, so that we don't we don't overlook the greatest gift of the Bible and treat it like. Um, some common how-to book um, for that's not what it is. Um, it is it is uh, it is holier than that. It is uh, it is greater than what we would want to make it as some common common thing.
0: That's a good point. This is uh, as much as we we go to the Bible, and, and, and like I said, like you know, it's a good thing to, to think to go mm-hmm. to the Bible. Um, but it, it's not an app, right? It, it, it's not Google. Uh, <laughs> it's not Alexa. Uh, so to, to, don't don't treat it like it's just kind of a how-to manual on kind of you know the random questions that we have today. It's no, you know, it's not a magic eight ball, uh, right? Yeah. So that that is, that is it's a difficult balance, I think, sometimes, like you're saying, because on the one hand, th- this is the word of God that should be challenging us. That should not be the thing that we use. Uh, to answer our questions, but really the thing that transforms us and makes us ask different questions altogether—that makes us see the Lord Jesus, like as you're as you're uh, describing for us here. Um, so, so yeah, there there is this there's this balance, I guess, of your are right to kind of start with your questions and turn to the scriptures, but I suppose in some ways it's like if you're still leaving the scriptures with the same questions, it's like. You're not letting it do its thing. It, like it's a, <laughs> your question should be different when you kind of come out and lift up your head, right?
1: Yeah, and it, it's often the case when we're treating the Bible as just a uh, just just a guide for our earthly living, um, or just yeah. a whatever you know how to book of our common earthly problems. Then um, we are. We're often reflecting on what we want the Bible to say instead of – so we're searching the Scriptures for what we wanted the answer to be instead of letting the Word of God speak for himself and, and right. struggling and wrestling where a hard word uh, might, might need to remain instead of kind of bypassing that word because we've got to find something so it can say what I wanted it to say from the beginning.
0: Yeah, that, that that's another good point. I mean, and I think, too, just think about how, I mean, just how educated we are. I'm not saying that in a positive way, necessarily, but just, you know, t- considering how much education we as a population have these days compared to generations past, we're, like, kind of trained from very early on to just uh, kind of go out there, go mine sources, and just, you know, go, you know, dig through. I, I remember in my high school uh, English classes, you know, it's like, you know, you need to go through this book and find your pieces of evidence for your thesis, right? And uh, you know that, that's the way they like they're they're teaching this. And you know it's, we're just so used to just let's just go into the Bible too and just go and find the things that support our thesis, right? Like you were saying, just kind of find the things and pick them out that we want. So. Let's, yeah, uh, but then you not...
1: already you already had started with a the thesis.
0: Exactly, so exactly, it's like, right? It's, a, it's yeah. How can I make God fit my thesis? And that's kind of what the people <laughs> are doing too, right? They know right. what the answer is. They know what they want, right? <laughs> they know right. what they want. It's like Samuel, you, you go get it for us. Make God give it to us, right? <laughs> yes. You know. And yeah. it's like, well, now hang on a second. Don't you think you should be asking instead of, hey, how can I get God to give me what I want? How maybe I should be asking, what does God want? Um, mm. it's, you know, it's, 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 it's an interesting question. Uh, but yeah, so lots, lots of good things. I think you've definitely primed the pump here for our conversation today. Let's go ahead and uh, get started with a prayer. If you would uh, open us up, brother.
1: Yes, let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us, O oh Lord, um, as you humble us, uh, by your word to understand that you are, the Lord overall. Help us have a mind uh, that would desire your will above all things. Uh, Have us have a spirit that would want to seek your, your grace and your guidance in our lives, but always to be guided to eternal life. Always be guided in mercy and grace and love for our neighbor. Be with us today as we study your word and enlighten us to see thy will is done, even even when your will is is, uh, is to bring grace and mercy in the midst of our sins and our walking away from what you would have for us. You are so gracious and merciful to us in all things, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen all right well we've I think we've uh, introduced this pretty well, but maybe like one last thing um for us here, maybe just anything from the context or historically or anything like that, just to kind of help us uh as we read the chapter through
1: yeah, I think what is helpful is to um to kind of remind ourselves of of hannah's prayer um right. hannah the the mother of of Samuel herself and um when she prays she she reflects upon that the, the Lord, um, uh, does not, um, desire arrogance and, and pride. Um, these mm-hmm. things are brought low uh, and the bows of the mighty are broken, but exalts the the humble and the lowly. It's a uh, very similar, reminiscent of, uh, what we'll have with, uh, the Magnificat, you know, uh, with Mary's own song too. Yep. Yep. And, um, then that can help us understand what is the trouble, what is the struggle, and why are the style or the the manner in which they're asking for something, which maybe in a different place in Scripture, in Deuteronomy, doesn't seem to be forbidden, um, uh, can maybe point us to why their hearts are a bit off here. So that's all I would say.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's good. I really like the thing you're saying about the names. I, I think this is really where it comes to the fore. Uh, we've been saying how the the etymology that Hannah gives for her own son's name is more accurately, in some ways, the etymology for Saul mm-hmm. when, she, when she says uh, "Shaalti." I asked him from the Lord. Well, this is Shaul. You know, th- th- this is <laughs> this is what really this is what she asked for. This is really what Israel asked for. Um, so in some ways it's it's almost like Samuel was born to uh to make this king happen uh and and there really is a lot like you were saying about humility and pride and um one of the things I've been struck by reading through 1 Samuel because uh, I've been reading over and and reading it again and uh, going ahead on all these sorts of things and uh in in the following chapters I'm really struck by how um Saul seems to start off like like a really good king. <laughs> I mean, like I think we we skip over that. It's like the guy's humble. It, it it says he's like handsome and tall and and all this. And he's like, no, don't give glory to me. Give glory to God. And like, no, I don't. I don't want to be king. I'm gonna hide that. I mean, like you know. So I mean, it just starts off like so good. But I I want to get too far afield. But I think everything you just said is really uh, very uh, good to keep in mind as we read through the chapter. Let's go ahead and do so now. And I want to just um, maybe read. Uh, a little bit of a running start here at the end of chapter 7, because there was a question actually last time we didn't get a chance to look at. So here is First uh, Samuel chapter 8, picking it up uh, with maybe a couple, two pickup verses, if I can use a musical term there. Uh, let's see, three pickup verses here. All right, this is uh, 7.15 then. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. And he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there. And there also he judged Israel. And he built there an altar to the Lord. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you're old, and your sons don't walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel heard all the all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice, and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go every man to a city. Just uh, really, re- I mean, just in terms of the story, right? It's just like such such good storytelling. Um, the the dialogue between Samuel and, and God and the people, um, the kind of like the argument uh, back and forth, and just the whew, real real ominous foreboding. I mean, it's it just sounds. I mean, it just sounds like Samuel's just pronouncing a curse over them. Um, and it's it's really—you know, I hadn't actually—I'm just kind of like—some of this is hitting me a little bit more just now. I feel like there's like a lot of direct contrasts between this king that they're going to have and God. Um, I, I mean, and it's, of course, you know, he, uh, he kind of sets that up, right? Um, God does himself by saying, you know, uh, you know, they're forsaking me. But he goes and he—God he, he, takes it all the way back to taking them up out of Egypt— and then he says later, "What uh, you're going to be his slaves, right? Like so, I set you free, but you're going to be slaves again, guys. Um, you know, he and he goes on to say, you know, he's going to take your sons, which is really interesting in the context of Samuel, right? Because you know, God gives Hannah a son. A King's just going to take your sons. Um, he's going to take your daughters. He's going to take uh, you know the the best and the tenth, right? He's going to take the first fruits. He's going to take the tithe." right? So it's like, you, you thought you had it bad under God, <laughs> like, your taxes are about to go up. <laughs> um, It's kind of like a, a, one of the, you know, uh, takeaways here. Even the stuff about, like, the male, female servants, the donkeys, right? I mean, it, a lot of it just kind of sounds like, guys, if you thought the Ten Commandments were bad, right, just look out. So, I mean, it, it is so ominous, Uh, Samuel's foreboding words to the people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and as you talked about with storytelling, I mean, the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of of this chapter, tells a story that's heartbreaking, right? Because yeah. Samuel's sons. I mean, that's that's personal. You know, uh, my my children are young, uh, yeah. so uh, we're we're not there. But when our children grow up, I mean, there is many a tale that a church worker, a teacher, a pastor. Um, uh, principal tells about the struggle that they had with their own children and their remaining in the faith and and here yeah. uh we have his sons who are not who are not acting uh they they've perverted justice they have uh accepted bribes um <laughs> and it's uh it's definitely goes goes back to like something that uh, Samuel experienced with uh, Eli and his sons, and now
0: yeah, well, and now
1: his his sons have perverted the way it should be. Um, but it,
0: yeah. it seems
1: like uh, Samuel's not getting the, the judgment that Eli got, so it's, it seems like he provided rightly for his family, but uh, tragically they are not falling in the way that they were taught and instructed. So that whole aspect yeah. of personal struggle that Samuel must have felt, yeah. and then to hear them reject, you know, to see that, the you know, this is known, his family struggle now is known in the community, and this cannot be, because they have perverted justice.
0: Yeah, and, and I really appreciate you bringing up this part, because I don't want to skip over it, um, as much as everything about the king um, is going to really demand our attention, because mm-hmm. I, I was really puzzling over this, actually. Um, just this this note here, I think you're right. I mean, this is so tragic, right? And we talked about this, uh, you know, back when back when Eli was, was telling young Samuel at the time, hey, don't hold anything back. Like, you need to tell me what's up. And, and, and you could tell that Eli knew it was something bad. Um, but, you know, I, I think that kind of in further reflection, we were thinking, you know, in, in some ways, you know, Eli must have said, you know what, like, part of the way that I've messed up is that I didn't speak out against my sons. I didn't rein them in. I didn't speak the words of God to them. So Samuel, don't you mess up, right? You know, speak to me. T- tell me Tell me what's coming, right? Even if it's bad. And, and, uh, and, and, I, and I think that's just so sad then, because it's like, you, you can almost feel like Eli's like, don't make my mistake, right? Um, and it seems like yeah, m- maybe Samuel has actually made that mistake. M- maybe he was so busy with the work of reform. I mean, think about it. I mean, he's like every year he's going on a circuit between Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, and Ramah, like he's, you know, I don't know what that's like, you know, three months here, three months there. Um, I don't know how much time that's, you know, with the kids. <laughs> I, I mean, right. like, you don't want to read too much into it, but I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, that Samuel has, uh, unfortunately, uh, fallen short. I mean, he, I mean, we all do, all, all of us, all fathers are sinners, right? Um, and, and history tragically repeats itself here. Uh it's it's sad, and I think that also kind of heightens the difficulty I'm having with this question, which is, so what was Israel supposed to do, right? Because if 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 God's and, and Samuel are both disappointed that they're asking for a king and they shouldn't be asking for a king, so what were they supposed to do? Were they supposed to like just deal with Joel and Abijah? Um, I mean, they're they're taking bribes, uh, they're they're perverting justice, they're probably doing the same sorts of things that that uh, Eli's sons were doing. Um, I mean, like what was the alternative?
1: Yeah. I I would say, were they, were they seeking God and were they turning back that, that God is, is the one who is King over Israel, that God, this is not hidden to you, you know. And so in uh, knowing God's law, going back to Samuel and, and, Telling them telling him the truth of what is going on and and seeking the seeking the Lord uh, in all this it doesn't seem i mean it seems pretty clear that they aren't seeking the Lord they're what are they trying to do? They're trying not to look like the Lord's nation but like the other nations so I think that's yeah. I mean that's a pretty big struggle that they're having. you know what are they to do I'm, they are to speak the word of the Lord even back to the ones who are supposed to be uh giving it to them. And that I mean that says something about us as pastors, you know when yeah. pastors uh sin and um need uh our elders to come alongside us and say Pastor, this isn't right you're uh not spending enough time with your family we need to fix this uh pastor this isn't this isn't right you know um and we we need them um we need our our church you know pastor this isn't right when this happens it you know it uh looks like you're not caring. So uh God yeah. God gives us uh gives us uh his word through the uh through the church. And so instead they it doesn't seem like they're seeking the Lord at all. They're seeking, what to, What do other nations, who who doesn't have this kind of problem? The other nations, yeah, right, like they don't have problems. <laughs>
0: the, but... Yeah, the other, yeah, yeah you know, B- Billy got this for Christmas, right? You know, like, <laughs> Sandy's mom lets her go over for sleepovers. Right? I mean, like, <laughs> it starts young, right? <laughs> why, why can't we do that? Uh, yeah, guilty of doing that myself. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it is really interesting kind of how you're reading what, the people say because because I, I think that the first way that i uh w- used to read this was sort of like you know just terrible <laughs> pretty much like um you know they, they go uh the, you know the people of israel they go to samuel and they're like you know hey you're old your kids are terrible <laughs> we mm-hmm. want a king we want to we want to be like everybody else and, and you kind of just read it like they're being ridiculous right like they're just being spoiled children uh, rude, disrespectful, not God-seeking, right? But like, I'm not actually sure that that's the best way or even the right way to read this here. Because kind of like you were saying, like, I think there's a lot that's going on in the setup here. That the the narrator, uh, the narration here, is saying like, "Hey, look, th- this isn't all right." I mean, Samuel, like you were saying, uh, he can't just be like a one-man reformation here. You, you know, um, y- you can't just single-handedly reform the whole nation. I mean, he is probably burning himself out just trying to be judge in four different places. You know, one of the questions last time was, like, why is he going just to these four places that are all kind of near uh, nearby each other? I, I sort of get the impression that, uh, like like it was in Judges, that when he when had a judge, right, um, it wasn't to say that he was, like, the only judge or, like, he was the king. So I think there were—you know, this got brought out, too—there were other judges in other places going on. Um, but he was kind of focusing on this one area, and there was only so much he could do. Um, it, these kind of four cities that were near each other, Ramah being uh, you know, where his, his family had come from. So I guess he relocated after um, spending some time in Shiloh. But, I mean, there, I think what you were saying, it's like kind of the people seem reasonable when they're like, hey— you need to spend some more time with your family, Samuel. You're, you, you can't do this all by yourself. Uh, I want to talk more about this because I think, I think there's more to their request than maybe we think, but uh, it's time for our break. Everybody hold on. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 8 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. On this Wednesday, September 9th, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Reverend Elder and Joyce Bruss of Barnhart, Missouri. Elder and Joyce made a gift to KFUO Radio in loving memory of their son, Kent, who was called home to the Lord on September 10th. Thank you, Reverend Elder and Joyce Bruss, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors.
1: When I look at the x-ray of your funny bone, it seems that everything is A-OK.
0: Medical research has proven laughter helps you both emotionally and physically. Wrestling with the basics on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. are on demand. We've been putting the fun and the fundamentals for over 30 years. Over 30 years? Oh, don't put too much strain
1: on your funny bone.
0: Nine out of ten doctors agree. It's less painful than getting a flu shot. So I don't like it. Oh, yuck. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 715 for Oratio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Welcome back everybody to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're looking at First Samuel chapter eight. A lot of good questions uh, have come in over email. Uh, you know, some questions here we got to take a look at. You know, it just it, it seems like a lot of the problem in Israel is bad leadership. Um, the both before uh, King Saul comes onto the scene, and in fact, you know, in, in Samuel's words, what's going to happen um, when when they do uh, get a king? You know, so there's some good questions there. Um, KFUO at KFUO.org. If you want to send in a comment or question via email. Also some questions over Facebook, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa on the video stream there. Uh, yeah, so some good questions there about, uh, well, just kind of, is this kind of like hinting ahead at maybe uh, Solomon or David or maybe even particularly Solomon's reign as king. So uh, some good good questions there. Uh, you can also give us a call, one 800 730 2727 or if you're in St. Louis 314-821-0850. If you have a question for me or our guest this morning, Pastor John Schenck at Trinity Lutheran in Edwardsville, Illinois. I wanna also make sure to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word. Their website, lhfmissions.org. So, yeah, so right before the break, you know, I was just uh, suggesting, you know, in some ways I think there's a sympathetic way to read this, and and I don't think it's necessarily pushing it because the narrator himself, right, like the the inspired narrator is saying, hey, like his sons didn't walk in his ways, he's old. Like, uh, you know, it seems like the opening of Chapter 8 is, well— they can't do this, <laughs> so it seems like kind of reasonable. And and when they say you know a point for us a king um, to judge us like like all the nations, I, I mean I think again in the context reading this as a, a in the backdrop of Judges right in Judges it was you know there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes and that refrain in Judges is bad. I mean, it is a problem that there is no king to unify this people, that you've got, you know, tribe after tribe, uh, you know, just going after each other. Um, they're getting into these squabbles. They're not supporting each other when one of them is in danger. I mean, so in in a lot of ways, uh, when they say, you know, uh, we need a king uh, like all the nations, I mean, it sounds like a very reasonable request, like, hey, we need to like get on the same page, unify, and know uh match fire with fire here instead of just you know bickering among ourselves so i mean I, I do think there's actually like a lot of stuff that the scripture itself is saying is reasonable about the request which i think right. to your point just makes okay. all this stuff so much harder <laughs> you yeah. know when we're being, when we're being confronted would, with reasonable requests
1: the only thing i would say is that one so we don't so i don't get an, an email i'm not saying that uh Samuel is uh, the one to blame for his children because he's not rebuked by Scripture like Eli was. So there's oh, sure. there's that. And then um, that there's a lot of things that, as we look at it and can rightly point out as pastors and as teachers, that this is reasonable and understand, understanding that we don't overly, harshly judge the people in the sense yeah. that we're above them. But we can still say that this, according to God's word, is not leading them in the right direction, right? Because even things that are – I mean, our worst – some of our worst decisions and some of our greatest – (laughs) Are reasonable ones. Yeah. Some (laughs) of our greatest walking away from what God's will really is is because we're like, but isn't this reasonable that I should want to be happy? Isn't it reasonable that I shouldn't seek my own – pleasure or whatever? Shouldn't life be that way? And we we, yeah. we make these reasons in our mind, um, because then we know yep. what God has to say about their choice, that in so doing it this way, in so yeah, doing it right. this way, they have rejected Him being king over them. So we know yeah. that th- even though that they might have a reasonable concern, um, yeah. then they take it upon themselves instead of allowing the Lord to be Lord, and to deal with the ones in whom he has, he plays Samuel here, so now he, are they not trusting that the Lord will take care of what's gone, you know, astray? Um, yeah. It's like, no, we're going to take it in under our own hands, we'll go back to Samuel, we'll say, let us let us look like them, make us like them, which is exactly opposite of what they were Made into a people to be, they were supposed to be distinct from the nations, separated from the nations, mm-hmm. um, consecrated from the nations, and 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 yet now they want to be just like them.
0: Yeah, no, John, that's that's profound. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's well said. That our even our worst sins are like really reasonable. Maybe maybe are some of our most reasonable actions are actually our worst. Uh, possible sins. I mean, think about it. I mean, uh, what wasn't wasn't uh, the conversation that Adam and Eve had in the garden? Wasn't that probably like their <laughs> most reasonable conversation to date when they it's decided to go after the, the fruit? I mean, that's that's the problem, right? Like you rely on natural reason, and it's a it's good thing, natural reason, right? Uh, but yeah, it's amazing how it can get you away from uh, what, like you were saying, from the, from the scriptures. So, oh well, yeah, when we're talking about reasonable here or, or reason. Um, you know, the the language of Scripture and the language of uh, our Reformation tradition, getting back to the idea of reform, um, uses the word reason in a little bit different light there. So it's not like reasonable means like, ah, it's good, fine, do it. Reasonable is, hang on a second, Uh, think twice about that. (laughs) Don't rely on yourselves. Um, Don't rely on your own understanding, right? as the Scriptures say. So, yeah, so this is really interesting then. And I I think then, uh, to your point, I think it highlights the real difficulty of the opening uh, verses, which is, I I think that the correct answer, um, if I can put it that way, for the people of Israel is that they just deal with Joel and Abijah, that they would say, you know what, Uh, yeah, these are corrupt guys; they're they're no Samuel, you know, Apple fell far from the tree there, Um, but that they just pray for their leaders. And they say, yeah, these, you know, these aren't, you know, the, the best, uh, guys that we could have hoped for, but you know, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe in other places there are better judges, right? Because, you know, it, it says there that there were judges in Beersheba. So this is kind of highlighting again, it's not like they were over all of Israel. So certainly there were other judges who are doing better elsewhere. So I, I think the right response is like, they count their blessings. They pray for these two judges, even though they're corrupt, um, they hope to God that the next generation's better, but like it's just because things are bad and corrupt. That doesn't mean you take things in your own hands and try to wrest control away from God. And I, and I think that's a real challenge to us because I just, I just think in our own state we're just like, oh, this leader's corrupt. Oh, this leader did something bad, and and then we just think it's kind of a permission slip to just, I mean, I don't know, just re- rebel, just you know, revolution or something. But I mean, I think this is actually a pretty clear chapter where they're saying. Where God is saying, "Hey, just because it's not perfect, it doesn't mean that you have a permission slip just to, you know, overthrow the government here."
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think they could have because looking at Deuteronomy 17, it it opens a door. Obviously, God's word opens the the kind of understanding that there would be or could be uh, kings over Israel. Uh, when they come into the land, and so um, I guess I can, I continue to go back to what what is God really saying about their action that shows us the heart of it instead of saying it's wrong. Yeah. The action in of itself was was ultimately wrong because is it is it wrong? I, it seems uh, appropriate, like we've been saying, appropriate, reasonable that they could have a king, and even God doesn't stop that as if. If it was wrong in and of itself, but their heart he continues to want their hearts, and their hearts are away yeah. from him and um that's the That's the continual issue where if they would have sought Samuel humbly and said, "Now that you are old, you're not living forever, Samuel now that we're struggling under yeah. these under these new uh judges, would it be right for us to to seek the lord about having a king a king that would point us back to to god um so again it's just we i I just don't think we can uh separate those two things out clear enough you know that that the one action can still be right even though even though here their hearts are far from the lord which then even corrupts the best of our actions
0: it's uh I really like the way you're putting it there, and I think you're totally right about humility. This and this is a theme that we just keep getting back to. It was the big theme, one of the actually it's, isn't it really interesting? I didn't even make this connection, but um, I mean in First Corinthians, right? Like the whole thing is we need to be humble so that we can be unified. Our pride is getting in our way, right? And seems like 1st Samuel, that's the whole thing over here, too. that That's what's going on in Judges. Everyone wants to be like their own, you know, one-man show. Like, ah, oh, you know, my tribe, I'm going to have all the glory to me, and Judah's going to have so much territory, right? And uh, we—yeah, I mean, it's it's the same deal, um, and, and God wants them to have a heart of humility, like you said. And, I, you know, I, I think you're right. I think that it would have—they could have gone to Samuel in a godly way and said, Samuel, uh, you, you have been a, an amazing— Judge and a, a blessing from God, but like you said, but you're not going to live forever, and we we got to be honest. We don't mean to be disrespectful. I we don't think that your sons are are living up to your legacy here. What what are we going to do? Can God do something for us? And I think they could have gone to Him in humility. And I think we we really just messed this up. That um, I mean, the same thing happens. I think in the inside the church that it's like we we fluctuate between. Well, I'm going to like chew my pastor out. For the nasty thing he said in his uh, in his prayer or his sermon or something like that, or I'm just gonna like send him like you know this this is this, this, this is bad leadership skills right? We kind of just go from on like, on that end to or on the like I'm just not gonna say anything end, uh, which which is also dangerous <laughs> because like you said even pastors have blind spots um, and then on the other side <laughs> if we're just not saying anything. Might be indicative that we're not actually like you know trying to live out what God's saying uh, through the pastor. We're just kind of like like okay, he says his thing, and I'll just you know walk away and do my thing. So I mean, yeah, it's a real problem. I mean, to kind of go into that middle ground of I'm going to come to him with a humble heart. I like I, I humbly come before my leaders and and ask. I, I think I've got a problem. What can we do? I just I don't even know if we have the vocabulary for it these days.
1: Yeah, and when they seek Samuel, who is a prophet, they they would be seeking Samuel to seek the Lord. So in that way, yeah. they would be saying, no, Lord, you are the king, <laughs> but is it is it time to have an under-shepherd? Yeah. Is it time to have an under-king um, who will yeah. say that you are the king? Um, yeah. But what they're doing is, like, we've got a problem, we'll fix it, we'll handle it, and this is this what is we're going to do. This is
0: the solution. Mm-hmm. yeah make, make god agree you know you're right because if they'd gone in humility you know you know uh, he could have gone to god uh he could have uh, sp- spoken all the words to the people and they would have said we are sorry that was a bad idea thank you for explaining it to us uh, <laughs> you know uh thank you for answering our question pastor and uh well can we try something else then you know and and, and how different the conversation right could have could have looked and um I, I think that this really your, your point about the heart of the people, I'll keep getting back to this, it really answers some of the questions we got over email. Um, so, so a couple of those questions are, you know, the, basically the difference between the possibly like the inherent goodness of the people and the corrupting um, institutions and leadership. And, um, you know, like even today, uh, you know, here we are, you know, sometimes we feel like we're choosing between the lesser of two evils. Um, I mean, we always are, I suppose, but we really feel that keenly perhaps today. Um, you know, and to the extent that God then in that circumstance allows these evils to, uh, kind of come back on us. Right. And so I think, I think the questions kind of, um, those first couple questions on over email are kind of getting at that. And I think that you're answering it really, that honestly, when we get bad leaders, <laughs> we shouldn't act like it's God's fault. Like leaders don't just drop out of the sky from heaven, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, oh, wow, we're going to get this bad leader, um, we are the ones who incubate them, you know. I mean, uh, I've—I uh, don't want to get too, um, well, too too narrowly focused here. But I've said a lot, kind of recently, you know. If you have any criticisms about about our leaders, um, it, don't you think our culture kind of was just leading up to this? Wasn't this inevitable? Isn't this kind of like what we've been we've been asking for with our actions and our rampant consumerism and our obsession with celebrities and all the rest, I mean, like, you know, you, you complain, but we did this to ourselves. So I uh, I, think, I think you're getting at it. Like, uh, it's not like God throws bad leaders out from heaven and messes things up for us. Um, you know, we get the leaders we deserve.
1: Yeah, and there's different words uh, from the Lord about what the leader is supposed to be doing and how they should see themselves. And obviously the biggest— uh, example they should be following is how our lord is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and in steadfast love for us and that should be demonstrated in the leadership of the ones in whom god has he is active he is he is the one who places into authority as we had in our reading just the other just the last week from rome if you're in a three-year lectionary church yeah um... Yep. <laughs> romans 13 And and so this understanding about um, seeking the leader, like seeking uh, Samuel as as like talking to your own father or uh, having Samuel seek the Lord as he would seek, as we should seek our own father and and humbly come to him. And then when the father comes and says, it's not good for you, (laughs) that we would actually listen to him and say, oh, it's not because he doesn't care. It's not because he's just trying to keep something from us that's really, really good it's because yeah. he knows better. And so um so yeah, I think uh I think there's different words for the different problems that come up because it's it's not like leaders don't sin. They do. Uh yeah. and they and they and it's wrong for them. And it's not that the people don't sin. So we have different we have different words from the Lord for about the different questions and the different problems that come up. Here it's right. thought, it is talking about when you give so much authority just vested into one person Heads up, because if you think you're, you know, just look at yourself personally. I mean, well. we are we are sinful individually, oh, and yeah. if we could, uh, if we had nothing to to rein us in, well, Katie, bar the door, and and here that's what that's the struggle that a king has. If he can do yeah. whatever he wants, um, boy, we better really have a really righteous king. Otherwise, the power and authority that they have will corrupt them. Even a even right. a righteous king like David.
0: Yeah, that, that's well said. And yesterday, we even had a couple questions about like a philosopher king. Uh, yeah, James called in and was like, so so is a philosopher king the best? Of course, that term coming from Aristotle in um, his ethics is I think if I recall correctly is Nicomachean Ethics. Um, but yeah, like, you know, just the idea, like, well, if you had an enlightened despot, right, you know, wouldn't that be, I mean, right? Just your hypothetical, uh, king with the heart of David, isn't that the best form of government? Well, it's kind of ironic, right? Because the story of David, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's kind I laugh, but it, it, when you actually think about it, it's terrifying because right. this is a man who's after God's own heart, you know? So hi- hypothetically, David is the best ruler that ever lived and mm-hmm. he failed spectacularly. Because of just what you were saying, it doesn't matter. The best human being, the best people we could possibly elect, are corrupted by power. It's inevitable. Um, that's the that's the extent of our sinful condition. And um, I mean, it's that's that's scary. And uh, I think, you know, without getting uh, too much into it, I, I think then your point's well taken that, you know, so we should be really leery about giving people lots of power. Yeah. Um, so there's actually something very wise about breaking power up, spreading it out, right? Yeah. And at least everyone's like a little bit corrupted um, and not like, you know, just so fully, um, you know, and I think this is, I, I think where we get our ideas about democracy, but um, to give Aristotle a little bit of credit, uh, his point was that a mob can kind of act like a tyrant too. Um, And yeah. so if you just get like a bunch of people, and I think we all kind of feel this too, right? It's sort of like, you know, one thing goes viral on Twitter and all of a sudden, like, that's the law. No one can say anything that disagrees with it because the mob will, like, put you down. So, I mean, that's a real delicate balance that on the one hand, you can have have literally a tyrant. But on the other hand, if you just, like, power to the people, uh, the the people just turns into, like, a a mob, turns into a virtual tyrant. And uh, and you see that where, you know, the 51% will, like, pass laws and do things that will, you know, really hurt the 40, the 49%, but they'll get away with it because, hey, look, they won the vote, right? So whatever, those states can, you know, just go deal with it. So, I mean, there's a real pickle <laughs> <laughs> that on either yeah. side yeah. Um, the sinful nature is waiting.
1: Yeah, and I think that's—I mean, I, I was listening to some uh, issues, et cetera, on KFUO. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, on my way home the other day and they were talking about some of the the uh the founding fathers and uh the 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 reality of being a republic. You know, it's so often we get this wrong that we're a demo- we're we're a democratic republic and, and understanding that just because um you know, we might think, well the people the people, well, in reality it's the people who represent the people because the people yeah. aren't you know for us as as lutheran christians we kind of get it right we get the struggle yeah. where where just if we just go with the, what the people want oh boy we'll Sodom yeah. and Gomorrah right
0: yep that's you right you know
1: and uh the people go astray and that's why it it does it does seem to benefit does seem wise uh yeah. to have this breaking up of power and let's break keep,
0: it down I, checks and balances because we can
1: see here yeah. Um, that it's so easy for the Lord's warning where the the reality is one person I uh, will take the best of all that you have and use it for themselves and there is no checks, there is no balances the reality is yeah. it's not going to be as, as wonderful as you as you thought. The, yeah. the thinking that we can solve our own problems instead of the answer being in the salvation of our God, um, we'll just lead to more problems.
0: That's, that's just it. Um, there is wisdom. So if we—and we talked about this last time, there's no ideal form of government. But um, if, if you're going to come close, right, what, what was it one of the fathers said that, like, uh, you know, like our constitution's like the least— bad one that we've tried or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, the 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 kind of the, the form, the kind of the, the federalist, right, in the sense of like having different levels, the checks and balances, the constitutional republic, right? I mean, like trying to find a way to like break things down like that. I mean, it, it is in many ways the wisest way to go. And there's different ways of tinkering with the details. But the point being, you, you, you break it down. And, and the judges actually, the time of the judges, I mean, for, for everything that is bad about it, it's like, you know, the power was actually broken down, um, which is which is a good thing in some ways, because then when you have two bad uh, judges on the scene, uh, like, you know, Eli's sons or Samuel's sons, well, not, at least not everyone has a bad judge, you know? So right. um, th- that's that's the thing. It's like there's a lot of wisdom in it, but then what happens? The sinful nature isn't content, because it's just like what you said, we just we we just what what do we do? uh and and to kind of put it in today's language i would say but wh- wh- how can we be competitive on the global stage? <laughs> right? i mean this is like this is like something you're going to hear like in the debates coming up. we got to be competitive, you know, and so everyone's like we got to become and so what are they saying, right? when they say Let, let's have a king like all the other nations, they're saying but we got to be competitive. how are right. we going to be competitive? they all have kings. And remember, because a king is just basically like a national general with a standing army. That, that's right. basically what they're asking for more than anything else. Um, is like they want a, a general that unifies all their armies. And then you're like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Um, <laughs> you know, and in, in fact, that as I think I think it's a difference. In fact, I mean, uh, to nuance it, but it's sort of a difference between the Constitution of the United States and the Articles of Confederation. But like, not getting like too much into that, right? But um, but you know, so it's like. Yeah, okay, let's be competitive, but that's the thing, right? It's just at the, at the bottom of it, it's like you're saying, the heart says we don't trust God to take care of us. We're afraid that if we do things God's way and, and we're humble and we don't seek power, we're afraid if we go that way, then everyone's going to beat us up and we're going to get wiped out. And so, you know what? Rather than do things God's way, the wise way, the humble way, let's do this because this seems safest. Guys, because you know what? Let's Let's not be idealistic don't put theology ahead of safety i mean you know you could you can really sympathize with it and and see how we fall into the same kinds of snares
1: yeah yeah and there are times in which there are benefits uh, to having a king when the king is um you know uh looking to the lord and and wanting the people to so that you know uh that they would tear down the sheer polls, they would read the the word of the law of the Lord, they would reestablish right worship, and they could do it swiftly <laughs> there yeah, was a swiftness yeah. to yeah. um to the correction where if you were caught in bureaucracy, you know then are you going to be able to correct it's like you know it's if in the house um we're not taking a vote yeah. this is what happens we are going to church we are going to pray before we you know it's like these are things that we're voting on that's a that is you know bureaucracy run amok and there are some times where you know having a father having you know the parents rule over the children in a judging judge as we have in the book of judges way that's right, and it's God giving, it's God pleasing. So not everything no, about having a monarchy is, that's right. is bad. So um, that's when a, the that's when a really the king point. is looking to the Lord,
0: it's it's a, a really good point. So so we, just to kind of put it in a more specific terms again, you no. Know, so you know it, it says in verse six the thing displeased Samuel, um, but but really it's clear from what God says it displeased God as well. Um, yeah. God doesn't like the idea that they would have kings. Um, it, he's like that's not what I wanted. Um, I wanted I wanted to be the king for you guys. I, I want to give you the best king and just let, let me be the king. Instead, you want somebody else. Um, eh, you know, there's lots of things we could go into about that. But but it's so like you're saying, the, the thing that's amazing about this is that um, it's not all bad if you do have a king. I mean, it's not all bad if you're ruled by a mob even, right? I mean, there's I mean, some good that comes out of it. But I think that's, that's showing the redemptive mercy of God, that God takes these people bad situations and bad governments and bad leaders, uh, bad systems, bad institutions, and he works through them. And that's more profoundly done than anything else in Christ Jesus himself. Because like you're saying, the good thing about a king is that you can swiftly correct the situation. So he says, okay, you guys have sold yourselves out and become slaves. You've sold yourselves into slavery to these kings. I mean, I mean, really, ultimately, the, the kings of darkness and, and the kings of sin. And so what I'll do, I'll come into the problem— I'll become the king, and I'll take us out of there. I mean, and, and that's and that's Easter. Um, it, thinking of it as kingship, that he enters into the kingship mess that we made, and then pulls us out. Yeah,
1: in his grace and mercy, he had this plan from the even before the foundations of the world to send his son, who is the King of Kings. Um, thanks be to God, he did not give up his plan when we rejected him. Um, but that is our salvation
0: amen i mean just in the same way that he entered into our our death right he entered into our uh our weakness right i mean like he entered into this this mess that we made called monarchy um and and so it's just so much redemption and so much grace like you were saying that god would choose these things to uh to save us and to i mean just to show so much mercy because uh yeah go go ahead and give the people what they want but it's not really gonna work out the way they want until i come in and fill those shoes. Thank you no so much, brother. Really love the conversation today. So, so many good things to talk about. God bless you and your church uh, there in the wind, <laughs> the, the blessed state of Illinois.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Godspeed.
0: <laughs> Thanks, brother. Uh, everybody, uh, that was Pastor John Shank, Edwardsville, Illinois. Moving on to First Samuel chapter nine. Till then, I'm Pastor H.S. Pinosa. Your support Peace. is vital
1: for this program to continue.
0: You can make a gift,
1: safe, secure, and easily online at KFuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.